Well, hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Friends. I'm your host, your friend, and your sister in Christ, Georgia Brown. And truly, I am so grateful that you are here for another faith-filled, fun conversation. Today is a unique one with a very unique human being that we all need. He is so fun. His name is J.P. Sears. And let me tell you, he is not only a YouTuber, comedian, author, speaker, and a very curious student of life. His his ginger hair is better than mine and you know what I should have asked him in this conversation what hair products he uses because he's just got it going on let me tell you what his work takes an unapologetic stand for freedom free speech and encouraging people to live free from fear this is a message that we need in this hour more than ever and I am just blown away because his content has served over 4 million followers and acquired over 600 million views that's a big impact on a lot of people, and it's all for good things. And I'm just so grateful for the way that he presents hard topics. And so today we're gonna to talk about it all, and I hope you leave this conversation encouraged and equipped and with, you know, learning some takeaways. I sure did. It was a fun, fun time. And so without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right in. JP, my ginger brother, thanks for joining us. Georgia, thank you for having me. Uh, the adversity I face of the ginger phobia that uh, the world is infected with, we being, quite frankly, the biggest minority in the world as gingers, uh, I am honored that you would accept me as a human being and allow me to feel the imaginary emotion of inclusiveness. It truly is imaginary. Isn't it wonderful? That's great. That's that's what I tell myself. I'm so grateful to be a part of this great minority that we get to call gingerhood. And you know what? Here on Faith and Friends, we're all about that, Faith and Friends. And I love that you are all about free speech and fun. And so I'm just ready to have some fun to laugh. And you know what, JP, I have so much to learn from you, like for real, for real. That's what I love is you deliver hard truths with so much fun and common sense. You make us look so stupid sometimes. And I love it. So thank you. Thank you for keeping us humble. I really need it. <laughs> oh, well, it's an, it's an honor. And, and by the way, you know, humans, we're, we're miraculous creatures all of yeah. us are and we're also highly intelligent and we're also highly capable of being stupid and i think one of the purposes of comedy is i, I identify as a comedian <laughs> is we play the role of the court jester archetypically and the court jester he's meant to mock things as a way of pointing them out so that we can do things better. So mocking stupid things, mocking lies, hypocrisy, corruption, which I think are stupid. All of it. Uh, that's that's all in the job description. And I think it's got a purpose. It does. It's got a huge purpose. And you know what? There's no one else I feel like that can do this, but you in the way that you deliver. And that's just the truth of being uniquely made in God's image of like, okay, when, when God made JP, he was like, here's a very unique cookie cutter and he's going to go all in. So I want you to take me back. What were you like as a child? Were you like calling out the stupid stuff and people on the playground being so satirical? I want to, I want to know all the things. 
Yeah, as a, a child, you know, I was a genius child. I was doing Prodigy. complex mathematical equations. Uh, I got my college degree by the age of seven. Uh, wow. I know the actual <laughs> answer is, yeah, even as a kid, as far back as I could remember, my sense of humor was pretty active and like, sound arrogant, but pretty good. I, yeah. you know, in school, I was always bored with what the teacher was teaching. So I sought amusement and uh, I, I would routinely try to amuse myself and amuse others in two ways. One is making all the other classmates laugh and my friends and also my family at home. But then also more dangerously, oh no, I would try to make the teacher laugh. And, and that carries danger to it. And it also like it's like walking a tightrope without a safety net. You're going to be a little more precise because when I try to make the teacher laugh, kind of by definition, I'm disrupting the class. So I, I would run the risk of getting in trouble. But what I found is if I actually made the teacher laugh, I wouldn't get in trouble. But if I fell short, now I'm in trouble for disrupting the class. <laughs> uh, quick, quick story on that. I would have been, this was my freshman year in high school. I was in an accounting class mm. and we had a substitute teacher for the day. And where I came from, substitute teachers are great. They don't know what's going on. So you can kind of do whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this substitute teacher, uh, I believe his name was Mr. Ray. I could be wrong, but I could be right. Um, he, he wasn't all about us goofing off. But I had other plans for the day. So I was standing on top of the desk, pretending I was Spider-Man, just clowning around <laughs> with one of my friends. Mr. Ray said, okay, get down off the desk. Well, Spider-Man had Spider-Man things to do. He did not get down off the desk. So I'm still clowning around. I'm Spider-Man flinging the, the <laughs> web. And finally he said, okay, you're. I have to give you a detention. What's your name? And I said, I'm Spider-Man. And he said, no, what's your real name? And I said, all right, Peter Parker. I knew it. <laughs> and, and that made him laugh. I didn't get the detention. So that, that was, yeah, that, that was my childhood. And I have great memories of like my mom, dad, and sister were at home and, you know, just making them laugh all together. So uh, yeah, as a child, I was all about having fun, humor, as well as playing sports. That's awesome. I mean, here's the thing. Laughter is such good medicine and there's nothing like getting a reaction. I'm sure like that teacher reaction. And then on top of that substitute teacher reaction, you're like, okay, there's something onto this. I am onto something. And so it's really like a muscle. Like you said, like what's going to work, what's going to hit, what's not, what are they wanting more of? And so when was your first experience with really diving into current events and realizing, okay, this is a good niche that I really need to lean into that I am making them laugh, but also making them think. Yeah. So I started my comedy videos nine years ago and they were not on current events. They were, you know, goofy topics that were relevant to me. I was interested in them, like video, how to become gluten intolerant, a video, uh, if meat eaters acted like vegans. And 
during those videos, like I was trying to make people think. But then as far as the current events aspect, that didn't come until COVID happened. So the spring of 2020, I see freedoms getting eroded. I'm like, uh, I don't like this. Yeah. And I see, you know, look at history. I see where this could go if we allow it. That woke me up to realize I've been entitled, ignorant, and taking freedom for granted. Freedom's my number one value. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that until I started seeing freedoms get get eroded. So for me, standing for freedom was important. And part of standing for freedom was using humor to call out the lies, hypocrisy, and corruption, deception that was, you know, all throughout the, the news, the media, the government, NIH, all the things, drug companies. So mm-hmm. COVID was my launch into current events because freedom became a political issue and so much was tied into it. So yeah, it's been, I guess, whatever, three and a half years or so, three years uh, that I've been largely into current events and politics. That's amazing. You know, it's it's really a beautiful thing to watch you walk out your calling because so many people think to share the truth and to expose all of these lies and just to get all this out there that they have to either be the loudest, honestly, sometimes rude or just walk all over people like for real. But here you're showing us, Hey, we can laugh and talk about hard things and make you think. And I just think that's really amazing because people aren't thinking especially in 2020, I feel like since that point on, like I had to go home from college, like college, I feel like is the most pivotal time where they're trying to indoctrinate you with all these things. But for me, I was finding out the truth, the way the life and at a public secular university, then the world shuts down. You know, they're trying to cover my face. How am I going to show people around my college campus covering my face? Hello. Like just all these things that just didn't make sense. And so my eyes were open too to the fact of, wow, like this really does matter. And so when we're faced with adversity, we really take in what matters. And now it's a matter of what are we going to do in response to this? We can either hold the line or bow down like they did, most of the people did in the Bible when those three guys stood up. And so you've been standing up in a way of being the court jester, like that is so fun. And so do you remember your first viral video in 2020? Yeah, um, what was it called? Um, I, I think it was called, What It's Like to Believe Everything the Media Tells You. Mm. And, it, and it went, uh, pretty viral. I think fairly quickly it got 4 million views on YouTube. And, you know, there was controversy in the comment section. And I'm like, <laughs> what the, who, why would this be controversial to anybody? Like encouraging people to think and not blindly believe everything the media tells you? Like, why is that controversial? But it was. So that kind of made me realize, okay, freedom is now a political issue. Uh, but yeah, that video, that one, uh, that hit really hard. Uh, and, and I think any video that goes viral, the reason why it goes viral is it's voicing something that people want to say, but they're either not saying it themselves or their voice isn't being represented in many other areas and outlets. So that that apparently voiced what a lot of people were thinking. And 
Uh, then not too long after that, YouTube took the video down off my channel, censorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah, that also woke me up to like, all right, we're you know some censorship issues uh, coming on. Apparently, I said um, too much truth. Too much, too much or, truth. Yeah, or I guess the new word for truth is misinformation. So, uh, but yeah, that that video that was that was. I didn't realize it at a time at the time, but that was a pivotal moment in a, a shift of my content uh, where like now I'm most videos I do are topical current events, political stuff related to using the sword of satire to slice open the scar tissue of lies, hypocrisy, corruption, deception, and authoritarianism. Yeah. Tell me about that shift, because that is a very pivotal moment in your comedy career and just in realizing the war that is at hand and how you can distinctly hold that line through comedy and through bringing out the truth and, you know, quote unquote, misinformation. Has there been a lot of, you know, lashback and also censorship? Have you had to change the way you've phrased things and realize, like, I got to take this seriously because this this is a serious thing, even though we're having fun here? Yeah, um, you know, the that shift, initially it was scary for me. Because really? after the video came out, uh, you know, I, I realized like, okay, I guess encouraging people to think for themselves is a political issue now. Fuck. <laughs> Freedom is a political issue. Fuck. In the United States of America, I thought both sides were supposed to be pro-freedom. Guess not. So I had always been told by people who thought they know what they're talking about, JP, never talk about politics. It'll be bad for your career. You'll divide your audience. Uh, And then especially when it comes to the COVID times and the pharmaceutical media censorship, people would tell me like, hey, JP, I like what you're doing, but man. Calm down. Yeah, it's pretty dangerous to be talking about these things. But I looked at it a different way. I'm like, you know, if you know anything about history, it's more dangerous not to talk about these things. So I thought I'd lose audience, but I'm like, hey, I'm I'm gonna follow my heart. I, I can't not do that. So even if I lose audience, even if this is bad for business, I have to say what my heart wants me to say. Now, it turns out I was wrong. It, it's actually been the best thing I've ever done for business. It grew my audience uh, by a lot. And that's not why I take my stance, but it's just like, oh, that was a surprising positive effect. It's a lot of growth came from standing in my truth, which I think is a life lesson for anybody. Life always rewards us for standing in our truth. And it's typically going to be uncomfortable to do that, at least initially. Uh, So that was pretty cool. And then uh, you asked about censorship. That's been a a thing for sure. And I'm glad to say I'm still on YouTube. Yeah, a miracle. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, how am I still on YouTube? And of course, behind me, you can see my Rumble Awards. I, you know, right away I realized, 
I need to start a channel on Rumble. One, I love what they stand for. And two, I need to diversify having all my eggs in the YouTube basket. That's so out of my control. Each time I upload a video, I am at risk of one, that video could get demonetized, taken down, but more importantly, it could, it could get me deplatformed altogether. But how I uh, combat censorship is there's two primary ways. First is I know the topics that will cause the uh, thought police to ding, hit ding, the ding. platform button. Yeah, yeah, just hit the red button on him. So I know those topics. You know, you talk about, you know, the pharmaceutical industry's, you know, uh, favorite uh, gold mine. You talk about the virus. You talk about election integrity the wrong way. You talk about climate change or lack thereof the wrong way. <laughs> That can get you deplatformed. But the problem is I have things to say about all those topics. Yeah. So how am I going to do that? I know I can't do it literally. Here's the information. Here it is. Some people do that. Uh, you know, you, you get a doctor, their language is literal. And a lot of doctors have been deplatformed off YouTube for speaking their best efforts to share the truth. So being a comedian... The good news is mine is the language of creativity, not literal expression, but creativity. So the censorship has actually forced me to get more creative as a creator. That's, in my opinion, been a blessing within the curse of censorship. I've actually, I think I've gotten better as a comedian and creator. So when I have something to say about one of those hot button topics, I have to get creative with using metaphors and analogies to say the thing I need to say without saying it directly. And uh, for example, Georgia, uh, did you by chance see the video I did on life jackets? Yes, that was so creative. Right. So that wasn't about life jackets. No, 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 no. (laughs) Of course, the life jackets were a metaphor for the pharmaceuticals. Inject yourself kind of thing. So that's an example of how I have to get creative. And then the other thing is my particular humor language, just similar to how we all have love languages. I think we all have different humor languages. And my primary humor language is satire. So for example, if you watch one of my videos where I'm the newscaster delivering the nightly news, you know, it's satirical. So if you take away my body language, the tonality, and the connection with the audience where I know they know what I'm actually meaning. You could look at that script. You know, you just imagine you're the AI censorship program. You look at the script and realize, oh, this guy's just reinforcing the narrative. Okay, he's good. So I think the language of satire is also helpful for not getting snipered by the censorship that wants to deplatform people for saying things that they call misinformation that most of us would call truth. Mm-hmm. I, I just love it. I think it's incredible. And even when I see things that are flagged or, you know, don't see this post, it's not true. I click on it all the more. I'm like, Ooh, what do you not yeah. want me to see? I love it. I, I love it. It's keeping me on my toes. Like even some of our episodes that have been like flagged for talking about the C word and stuff like that. I'm loving it because I'm like, what are we doing right? 
Because if we're not getting any opposition, I'm wondering, what am I doing wrong? Exactly. We know. I mean, we've heard it a million times and it's so freaking true. We need to hear it a million more. Censorship has never been on the right side of history. So if you're getting censored, you're getting flagged, that is absolutely a badge of honor. It is encouragement. It is an endorsement. Georgia, you are doing something right. But, you know, if you're never getting censored, if they're never trying to smear you in the media, then you have to ask, what am I doing wrong? What, what right. am I not being bold enough? Am I not being courageous enough? That's so good. Like, I love that. What they're wanting to do is silence our voice. And it has always been about the voice. And so to use yours in a satirical, satirical way to make us critically think, that's something that you've said is if you could teach your son one thing, it would be to be in touch with your heart and to have courage to follow through what's on your heart and your own critical thinking. And so how do you teach critical thinking to kids? Because I think it's one thing for us adults to see a life jacket video and understand what you're saying, but it's another thing to look in the eyes of the next generation that their brain is still mushy and developing and they're still eating like mushy foods and picking their boogers. So what does that look like in this day and age? Cause it's a little wild. Yeah. So teaching kids critical thinking, um, I mean, one, I, I think the purpose of teaching kids critical thinking is ultimately so that they can have true happiness, have true meaning, and a true sense of purpose. In other words, so they can have a great life. If you're outsourcing your thinking, that's what you learn as a kid, that's what you do as an adult, nobody's going to have long-term happiness, a sense of meaning and fulfillment if you're outsourcing your thinking. It's just not going to happen. So I think part of teaching kids the beauty of critical thinking is teaching them to resist the temptations to betray their thinking, betray following their heart. And of course, in the child world and actually adult world as well, the primary temptation that compels people, intimidates people out of their own critical thinking is peer pressure. And that's why shameless promotion. That's why I wrote this children's book, Chomp, 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 uh, released with Brave Books, which by the way, shameless plug continues. Uh, You can check it out at bravebooks.com. I'd be honored if you checked it out because it's that one message that you mentioned. If I could only teach my son one thing, it would be be in touch with your heart, your own critical thinking, and have the courage to follow it. So I wanted to bring that message, not just to my son, but to families all around the world. And we did this through a children's stories, entertaining, engaging, amazing illustrations. And it's all about peer pressure. So a lot of us might say, well, peer pressure, that's just, I mean, that's an old trite concept. You know, it's important, but like nothing new there, JP. Well, I look at the past three years, it looking at the adult population, mm-hmm. past three years since COVID started, and you see how peer pressure expresses itself in adult form. These adults who didn't get the message when they were a kid, they what they got instead was, I'm going to be compliant with the peer pressure. So how we saw that manifest throughout the world with adults is through something called obedience. 
Mm. Peer pressure is the exact same thing as obedience. Now, any when we look at our child, the last thing we'd want for them is to just be obedient. They're, they're, of course, we want them to obey their rules and boundaries and children need guidance, but be obedient to less than positive forces. It, I mean, that could take the form of like, hey, a stranger told me to get in his ice cream truck, so I obeyed. Right. Or all the other kids were doing it, so I did too. They told me to, so I did the thing. It can put their can put them in physical danger, but can also just warp their minds. So I think it's important for kids to get the message. Here's what peer pressure looks like. Here's the consequences if you obey. And here's the beauty if you remain true to yourself. It's tough, but here's the beauty of it. Because we saw throughout the past three years, our world filled with adults who used to be children, mm-hmm. we have a major obedience problem with peer pressure. So teaching kids to critically think, step number one is teach them what not to do. And that is be a slave to peer pressure. That's so good. The greatest thing I think these kids teach us is the response to when we say something to them is why, why? And as adults, we've kind of stopped asking why we just say, okay. And we step in line for something or stand six feet apart. And it just don't make sense. Like there are things that we are just not um, opening our eyes to and seeing. And so I think it's incredible that you are voicing this, not just through social media for us adults, but for the kids in chomp, chomp, chomp. And let me tell you what, the illustrations are honestly so incredible. Like this book is colorful and it's very critical. I love the words. Like it's so creative just as you are. And you talk about social media in this book and the peer pressure for the hippo to what's the, what's the little chompy thing called snap fast. Yeah. The the whole thing. It's the snap fast challenge. Yes. It's so incredible. And so this is a stocking stuffer that you definitely need to get for the kids because it's no longer just this, a Christmas story. I triple dog dare you to stick your tongue on the pole. It really is like life and death kind of things that are, you know, going to slowly destroy us if we don't start teaching it young and being that change that we want to see. And so Man, oh man, can you just and give us a little bit of encouragement when it comes to how we can use our voices on social media? Yeah, it's a great question. I think with social media, obviously you can uh, have it work positively or it can work negatively. You can be a positive force on social media. You can inspire, you can connect, you can uh, make other people feel seen. You, you can be positive. Or you can be a cancer on social media. By the way, when you're infecting other people with cancer, like you are the cancer. The more you do it, the more you're infected with negativity. So I like to, social media, uh, and and I think the world at large, but in the context of social media, uh, for the sake of what I'm about to say, the body of humanity is infected with cancer. And how cancer works is cells of the body attack other cells of the body. We see that all the time on social media through trolling, negativity, outright bullying. 
It's people behaving like cancer, attacking other people. And sometimes it's personal and other times it's ideological, political, where someone has a view that doesn't match ours. We attack, we attack what we don't like. I think that is a lose-lose situation, by the way, just so everybody knows. Nobody's ever had their mind changed in the comment section on social Amen. media. So Amen. even if you have the best intentions with your cancerous behavior, you're not gonna you're not gonna change anybody's mind. What you're potentially gonna do is hurt them, and you're also hurting yourself. You are degrading yourself with this energy. You, I mean, that energy has to first be inside you before you project it onto someone else. So I recommend not behaving like cancer. So if we're not using social media to attack what we don't like and who we don't like, what do we use it for? I think uh, a great alternative is use it to represent what we stand for, express what we stand for. While having respect, tolerance, compassion, and acceptance for people who have a different point of view than ours. By the way, if your goal was to change someone's mind, the worst way to do that is through this attacking, you're wrong, you're an idiot, and here's what's right. Like, you are an idiot if you think that's going to change anyone's mind. But if you wanted to influence people to think more deeply and consider your perspective, share your perspective. There doesn't have to be shame, doesn't have to be attacks. Here's what I think about the given topic. So expressing what we stand for rather than attacking what we don't like, I think is the, the healthy way to use social media. And then also like goofy stuff that's just entertaining, like cool. Like nobody's doctor has ever said like, you need to laugh less. <laughs> so. That's true. That, that's my take on how social media can be used in a positive way rather than a destructive way. Yes, I love it. It's incredible. And even as you were talking about those destructive comments, I was thinking it really doesn't ever turn out good for them because even in that with all these nasty comment trolls and they're just plucking away with their fingers with the algorithm, it's still pulling that video up. So more people are going to see the good content that's coming out. So kind of jokes on them both ways. A hundred percent. And sometimes <laughs> like during live streams or whatever it might be, I will thank my haters. I'll just, re, you know, thank you. I, I, I'm grateful. My, my YouTube videos, the like versus dislike ratio, it's almost always 99% likes, 1% dislikes. So, which is just incredible. But I share that because that, that says the majority of people are there in a okay. positive light. Of course, the 1% who are negative, we tend to notice them the most because they're the loudest and cringiest and just easier to get noticed if you're acting like a lunatic. Um, but sometimes on live stream, I'll, I'll remind them like, hey, if you're leaving a negative comment, I want to thank you because the comment engagement, it boosts this video in the algorithm. So thank you for your hate. You are helping me. Thank you for your hate. You are helping me. <laughs> That's incredible, y'all. Oh, 
I'm just so grateful that we can laugh in this hour because we need it. We really, really do. There's so much going on and there's so much to have our eyes open to and to really think about and to be aware of by also not bowing down to the things of this world. And so I'm just really grateful that you're speaking up because like you said at the beginning of our conversation, you just started out saying stuff that no one else was willing to say and you're continuing to do that. And I hope it's made you encouraged through this three-year process of just sharing truth and just sharing what no one else has been really willing to share the way that you have. And now we have this kid's book with brave books. And seriously, everyone needs to go get it because it's so good. And I think us older people need to pull out a children's book too. You know what I'm saying? Put down the phone for a minute. Yeah, I I, kind of agree with you. So, you know, (laughs) bravebooks.com and think you're reading it to your child, but also maybe we can pay attention to it too. And, you know, I think a good question for grownups to ask themselves is, how am I succumbing to peer pressure? Mm. And and, I mean, probably so many of your listeners are like, well, I don't, like I'm a freedom oriented person. And that's great. You, you, there's probably so much peer pressure that you don't succumb to, but I I think there's always room for growth, always room for more self-discovery, more self-awareness and to get better. So I wouldn't ask, do I succumb to peer pressure? That's not the right question. How am I doing it? Mm. And where am I doing it that I don't recognize? And, you know, some of us like we're all freedom and we might start to realize, oh, you know what? Some of the peer pressure that I didn't know I was succumbing to, but I actually am is, you know, my pro-freedom party or like, you know, us conservatives. Yeah, I've been parroting some of the things the group says that aren't necessarily resonating as deep truths to me. So that's, you know, it's kind of like a a low-grade peer pressure that is there for us to discover we've been giving our power away to. If we have the wisdom to ask the question, where am I succumbing to peer pressure? Hmm. Mm. That's good. I think we should leave our friends with that because it's true. It's true. There are some areas that if you're staying silent, that is bowing down to peer pressure. And one thing I love about you and your bio, it says that you're a student of life. Like it's true. You always are discovering and being a student of the life around you. And we need to be doing that more. And so where are we succumbing to peer pressure? Because we're in this vehicle of life and there are blind spots. And sometimes we need that passenger who is actually driving and we're just holding the steering wheel to tell us where our blind spots are. And so JP, thank you. Thank you for writing chomp, chomp, chomp for just being you, for being hilarious. And you know what? Deep down, I know your real name and it's Peter Parker. You got me. Indeed it is. Uh, Please don't tell anybody. But yeah, Georgia, thank you for having me on. It's just been an absolute joy talking with you. Well, friends, did you laugh? Did you learn something new? I sure hope you did. And I I really did. I learned a lot. JP is so fun. And I really also took away that I need to laugh more. And I also need to look in my blind spots. Where am I not speaking up boldly enough? I think about this in the contents of our faith in following Jesus. Where can I be a little bit more bold on social media in conversations with family members? Oh, there's just so much. And I love that if we allow it every day, 
we can be a student of learning, of listening, of growing in compassion, all the fruit of the Spirit. It's so incredible. So I hope that you feel sharpened today. Oh, I sure do. Y'all, I'm so grateful that we are back this month for four special episodes to talk about some things that I just love, from products to people, and JP is one of those. Now, if you're in the Nashville area, I just wanted to invite you. He is doing some comedy shows here at Zanies. I'm not at Zanies right now. Why did I say here? But here in Nashville, you know what I'm saying, in January. So I'm going to put that link below. I will be attending one of his shows and I'm so excited to just laugh and have a night of fun and freedom. And you know what? I would love to see you there if you are in town. But even if you're not in the Nashville area, you can have Brave Books under your Christmas tree this December. This is a company that we need to be supporting. Brave Books is doing such an incredible work in this hour, y'all, putting out incredible content for the family and for the next generation. And I'm so glad that JP's book, Chomp, 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 is a part of the Brave Book family. So you should totally check those out. There is lots of incredible resources, lots of books for boys, girls, the whole entire family, all ages, all stages. It's incredible. So give that a follow and check out. It's in the caption below for just a quick link to shop over there because the holidays are going to be here before you know it. And I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for products that can benefit the whole family, benefit us in this hour. And so next week, we're going to have another incredible conversation just for us girlies with our friend Hope. And so it's going to be about all things makeup and beauty. So please come back. But I hope you had fun today. I sure did. And before you go, I would just seriously love to pray for you. Lord God, I thank you so much that your word says that laughter is good medicine for the bones. And I thank you that you also say in your word that your people perish for a lack of knowledge. And I thank you that JP takes knowledge and laughter and brings them together to share the truth in love in such a beautiful and satirical way. So I pray that you would bless his ministry, that you would bless his family, and that you would lead us into further depths of understanding what it means to be free in Christ and free in this nation. And may we just stand strong in this hour like your Hebrew boys did, even when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, Lord, you were there. And we are in an hour where the fire is just getting a little bit hotter, but we don't have to worry. We're not even going to be burned because you are with us. I am grateful that you are strengthening your people in this hour, God. I thank you for each and every friend under the sound of my voice. I pray over their relationships, their families, their friends in this hour that they would be a voice of truth to them in love, sharing the good news of who you are. God, I thank you for this new book, Chomp, 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 and I pray that it would bless families all over the world to share this message of not being bogged down to the things of this world and bowing down to peer pressure. May we stand in this hour, God. So give us in a new level of boldness, a new level of courage and confidence. And so God, you are so good. I thank you and I praise you for who you are. 
I just pray that you bless and protect all of our friends until I see them again next week. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Y'all, I love you so much. Seriously, cannot wait to see you next week. Our conversation is going to be fun. So buckle your seatbelt and it's just going to be a great time. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being you. And seriously, please. Do not forget, there is a song on your heart. Only you can sing. Your voice is important.